Welcome to Beyond the Summit. This is Scalability's series of podcasts where we have some really interesting chats to some really interesting Northwest business leaders. If you want to hear more in the series, hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn a little bit more about what we do, visit us at scale-ability.co.uk. Welcome to season two of Beyond the Summit, Scalability's podcast with me, your host, Ruth Wilkinson. Hope you enjoyed the show. I have the pleasure of being joined by Tanya Ellsworth of TP Financial Solutions, but I'm going to let you introduce yourself, Tanya, and just tell our listeners before we get going into some of these questions and conversation, what is TP Financial and who is Tanya Ellsworth? How's that? Fantastic. Thanks, Ruth. Thanks for having me. Um, so, yeah, I'm Tanya Ellsworth. Um born in Lancaster, we live in Morecambe now. We run um, a financial advice firm called TP Financial Solutions. Um, myself and my wife, Annabelle, set that up about um, four and a half years ago now. We'd always worked for other people within the financial services industry, and we thought it was time that we kind of did things my way. There's a song in there somewhere. Um, but yeah, um, we really wanted to get away from that corporate boring financial planning, you know, that it's for the wealthy. Um, and just bring it to to normal everyday people um, and make it approachable and friendly. So that's us. We're based up in um, in Heesham, and we do a lot of work in the the Morecambe and Lancaster district. You've made a couple of points there. Let's pick up on a couple of those bits. So the bit about it being boring, um, or perceived as being a bit boring, um, but you don't just drop into financial services overnight. You where did you kind of hone your skills, or how did you over what period of time, both yourself and Annabelle? Yeah, I think for me, being a financial advisor was never on the agenda. I was one of those kids who never knew what they wanted to do. You know, I was I was all right at school, got very distracted. It was more there to catch up with mates rather than do any work. So I never really knew what I wanted to be. But I knew once I graduated uni, I wanted to earn money. So very quickly, I went into working for the civil service. I just wanted a wage, you know, a salary money coming in to do stuff with so I started as um, a filing clerk you know just filing papers um, and that's probably one of the the best work experiences I've ever had you know meeting different people from different backgrounds trying to work um, rub along with different characters you know pick up different skills and I think from starting that I've always been kind of ambitious you know wanted to be a team leader uh, a manager and that effectively led me to be the practice manager of a financial advice firm. And once I'd, once I'd done that, I realised this is it. This is the job for me. You know, I've found what it is that I want to do. I'm, I'm a really personable human. You know, I love speaking to people. I love finding out about people. And really, that's what our job is. You know, a lot of people think it's math. You know, you're adding stuff up, you're doing allowances. And it's not. It's just it's meeting people. Um, hearing about the hopes and dreams and then doing the financial planning to, to fit with it. Um, Annabelle's had a longer journey in the, in the sector, but very similar. We both come from admin backgrounds, which I think when it comes to running a business, that gives us a really good core of being super organized and super dynamic. Um, and anybody we kind of take within our business will always put them on that trajectory you know you learn every part of the business so by the time you become a advisor director you can do the other bits with your eyes shut mm -hmm. so you mentioned that you work with your wife yeah okay 
So it's quite a formidable duo, the pair of you. I know that because obviously I, I, I know you both personally and professionally. But how is that? Because not everybody manages to pull that off, working and living and having a family with and everything with the same same person. So what do you think makes it work so well for you two? Yeah, I, we get asked this a lot. And I think the key to it is we really like each other. You know, <laughs> it's very, very straightforward. I think a lot of couples, potentially, that was not the case. So they, they rub each other the wrong way. But yeah, we, we really like each other. I think the, the continued success of it is because we've both got very different strengths and both got very different parts of the business that we enjoy doing. So it's very rare that there's any kind of competition or um you know vying for position of wanting to do one thing or another it tends to be that the stuff I want to do Annabelle doesn't want to do it and the stuff Annabelle wants to do I'm not interested anyway so that that dynamism of that pair works really well you know like I love getting out and networking that's probably not as much what Annabelle likes doing when it comes to running a business things like the computers and the IT side Annabelle just switches off from it um so yeah it's um playing to your strengths is the is the short answer to that question and, and getting on <laughs> yeah so playing to your strengths getting on and really liking each other is as much a good advice about business as it is personally I suppose so it's it's not like we're sat in the same office all day every day you know as well as I do when you run a business it's very few and far between that you just sat hour after hour on your desk so we, we do go apart and then come back together and there's always plenty to talk about in that in that respect. So we just start staring at each other all day. It might be a different story room. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, a couple of questions just to kind of get into bits of different conversation as well. Best investment, it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be money, it could be time, it could be emotional in yourself, whatever it might be. What do you think has been your best investment in, in recent memory? For me, within our business, the best investment is always the time spent with people in the local area. Um, and it harks back to what we've just said about not just being at your desk all day. You know, it's it's that time getting involved in other activities, other local things that are going on. Um, it's almost free marketing. You know, you, you work in the marketing industry and of course, you, you need to have the paid stuff where you're doing your social media and your website. But I almost see we are the business, you know, so the time that we spend out of the office speaking to people, just being genuine and, and who we are, um, that's the biggest investment that we've given over the last four years. Um, and it probably sometimes looks like we're just having a jolly, but it's really not. It's, you know, it's getting getting to know people on a personal level and not just the transactional contact us through the website. How do you measure that paying off? So so there's other parts about this in, in business and some people don't like to talk about it. Some people are fine with it. You're ultimately, business is about making money. It's about making money, securing a future, providing for a family, giving a standard of living that you want to do. But with that comes a certain amount of sacrifices, of course. But And people don't necessarily want to talk about that. They feel like, oh, I can't really say that a minute for the money. That, you know, that feels wrong. But ultimately, that time that you're investing is effectively paid time for the business isn't it you're out you're seeing people you're talking so so how do you measure the success of that to you as a business uh, so we track it so every lead client 
um, who speaks to us, who contacts the office, who gets in touch, we ask them where they heard about us from. Um, and we're quite rigorous at doing that. We review it on a quarterly basis. Where are we getting leads from? Um, what activity has generated those leads? And oftentimes it is things like, oh, I met you down the football. Um, do you remember we were chatting and I worked out who you were and you told me what you did for work and 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 I met you or oh, I saw you at a chamber networking and and I really liked you, so I wanted to get back in touch. And it's something that since we set the business up, we actively review that quarterly and then every year we take a view on what are we continuing to do. So there's there's definitely been things we've tried, different networking groups, different um community groups, different ways to meet people that actually have come to nothing. And and we've had to be quite ruthless and go, no, we're not not doing that. Ruthless, I just realized there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a joke in there for you. Um but but it's that thing of you can't do everything. And it's interesting because people say to us quite often, oh, we see you everywhere. And it's like, well, you don't actually. You see us at very specific places and we know those specific places generate business. So actually you won't see us everywhere because there's certain things that we know don't work for our business. They take B&I, for example, that we actively just won't do it. Um, so it's almost giving off that perception that you're everywhere. Yeah. Actually, you're very selective in in the activity that you're doing. And do you think that that is something that y you've learned to get you know more cutthroat with over that period of time? Because at first, I think when you're building a business, it's like right. Well, you've got two kinds of people. I think you've got the please don't tell me I've got to go networking. Yeah, to the um, and also that fear of mis I think it's a misconception really about networking. And then there is the um, I'm just going to network everywhere and be the social butterfly. Yeah, and not from a negative point of view. You've got to find your tribe, you know, you've got to find your tribe and you've got to find what works for you. So, so that implies that you've got to try things that don't work. So, yeah, mm. I think then it would definitely year one, we're definitely doing activity that's completely different. But but for us, because I think we've got such strong values and cause in our business, it very quickly you can go, no, that's not for me, and, mm. and just kind of write it off. Um, but yeah, year one we we did do a bit of everything, and and I don't think that's a that's a negative. You you've got to do as much as you can in order to find out what works and what what doesn't work. And it, it's also being bold enough to try the things that you go. Oh, it doesn't look like it for me, but then try it anyway and see. You know, mm. it, like you said, fear of missing out. A lot of stuff in business is what you hear from other people. Um, and I've always said that I'll make a judgment off my own back, not by what somebody else has said to me, because, mm. you know, we all have different um, priorities. Really. Mm. So would there be anything else that you think, yeah, looking back, knowing what I now know, mm. that wasn't mm. right for us? I think it was um, very early on accepting any client. Um, and it comes back to what we've just talked about you're new in business, you want to earn money, you, you need to grow fairly quickly. Um, and it's very easy to then go, oh, they're not quite the match or it's not quite the business that I want to do, but we can do it, so I will do it. We, we've learned from experience that those scenarios just cause more time and money in the long run. You know, for that quick win, it's never 
ever worth it. So I think the time, it's, it's almost time wasted on the wrong business or time wasted veering off our business plan, you know, and, and now, and obviously it's easier because we're making the money and we're getting the clients. So it's easier to be hold firm in those core values and that, that plan that you've set. Um, but definitely that was the biggest waste of time. You know, there's some people we took on in year one that now we don't work with. And ultimately, yeah. if I had my time again, we'd just say no at the point of contact or no at the point of asking. Um, because, you know, it, it's the ones who go, and how much is it? And can you do a discount? And can you do that? And you do it. And then they're the ones that want the most or they take the most or they don't yeah. appreciate the most. So in, time, in terms of time wasted, there's definitely a few of those scenarios I can think about where I go, oh, we shouldn't have done that. We did, we've learned from it. Um, but that that's what I'd take out of the business. Yeah. And, and also say to anybody starting out, you know, I know it's tempting, I know it's tempting to you want the you want the key. But let me tell you, it'll cost you in the long run. I concur on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Could you actually go back to work for anybody else now? No. No. <laughs> no. Dead, dead no. <laughs> I, 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 think you, I think you get to an age in a stage in your life and, and career where you know your strengths and weaknesses. And the thing I, I struggle with working for other people was them micromanaging the way I did things. So, you know, any organisation, our organisation or any organisation I'm affiliated with, you leave good people to do the job the way they want to do it. <laughs> do, do, do you know what I mean? You employ somebody because you know they're good. What is the point of then sitting with them and going, right, I want you to do this and this is how I want you to do it. If you get yeah. the right people, yeah. you do it the best, fastest way. And, and that's kind of the way my brain works. If there's a quick, lazy way of doing it, I'll do it that way because it saves, it saves time. And I always found working for other people being dictated oh, I want you to do this, but this is exactly how I want you to do yeah. it. It just, just doesn't work for me. And I, I don't think it's a good way of managing. Well, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a really interesting point. So obviously, as you know, I used to work in a lot of corporate industry and I used to work in some really you know large firms. We both have done. And one of the things that always just perplexed me, it probably didn't perplex me at first. I think it was probably as I got longer in the tooth of, of being in corporate, was that we would put a job description out that job description would contain skills and abilities and, you know, the desirable, the preferable, the essential, all that stuff. You'd you'd interview someone normally over like several stages and you'd recruit them because they had all of these particular skills, initiatives that they bring towards it. And then the minute you put them in the first day of the induction, you kind of said, great that you're here, but now I'd like you to follow this. Now I'd like you to do this. And then couldn't understand why in three or four months time they were failing at what at what you're giving them to do. It was like the the most, but I think even if, you know, I'll be honest, it took me a while to kind of sit back and think, actually, yeah, what, what we've done there? Yeah. We've, we've kind yeah. of gone with like a round peg for a round hole, please. Brilliant. Yep, you suit it. But then when you come in, oh, no, actually, we're going to change you. We'd like to change your shape. We now want you to be square. Why can't you be square? Why are you failing at being square? Now I'm going to put you on some kind of performance process. It's like... Yeah, no, we've done that. We've done that and all that, last about face. That was my experience working for other people is that as much as they say, yes, you'll have autonomy, you can make the role your own, 
when when it comes to it, there's a there's a lot of micromanagement that goes on, and and it's been, it's been a valuable lesson, you know, being an employee working under people like that. It's a valuable lesson because it helps me be more hands off in other mm. parts of my life. Mm. Um, I, I'm a con- not a control freak, but you know, I I like to know what's going on and I like to have hands on. But I always hold on to that to try not to leave it to micromanagement. You know, take John in our office. We've employed John. He's great. We employed him because he's great. I want him to do some jobs, but the way he does it, as long as he gets the end product, I need to not be bothered. And I think if I ever went back to being employed, that wouldn't happen. So, no, self-employment is the way. (laughs) (laughs) Have you got an idea that you can share that you that you maybe you had you would have done you'd like to have pursued but for whatever reason you didn't something whether it's personal or whether it's work that's a really interesting question I think that there's been times I think the first couple of years when we set the business up where uh, I think naturally you have peaks in trust and income I think I think the trust and income always leads you to think about oh, should we try something different? Should we, you know, change what we're doing, et cetera? Uh, One thing we'd really thought about doing was rather than financial advice, is looking at financial coaching um, because that, it was almost a trend at the time. And it was something that um, you could do with very little compliance. um, So you could earn money quite quickly off it. Um, and I think the reason we didn't end up doing is because we see so many people, and I'm not dissing side hustles or anything like that, you know, that they're, they're very valid for a lot of people. But I think definitely for us, the more you veer off your core plan of what you offer and what you do, the more it waters it down. So, yes, you would have had it, we would have had another string to the bow. But I think it would have taken away from the fact of us being qualified, compliant, um, checked financial advisors. It would have, rather than enhancing, it would have watered down what we were doing. And and I do see that with people where they're having a bit of lean time in business. So all of a sudden they start doing something else. Mm. It just muddies the water because it's like, well, you said you were an expert in this, but now you're doing that. So which one? is it um so yeah there's definitely been ideas when we're when we've previously been a bit quieter where we thought oh should we try that should we do that and and actively tried not to you know we've, we've held steady and just waited to get busy again because i think it does i think being professional the way we are with our level of qualification it just waters down on muddies the waters on what your role is um, so, yeah, we were all guns blazing on that at one point, but I think we've done the right thing by not not, not doing it. it. Okay. What is it? What's that one thing that you can't run your business, TP Financial Solutions, without? I was going to say our scanner because, honestly, <laughs> it's a yeah, scanner that does, like, 4,000 sheets a second or something. <laughs> it saves a load of time. But I think the genuine answer is the team. I think it's the people that we've got. I think even if you had me and two other personalities or you had Annabelle and two other personalities uh, or people, it just wouldn't work. I think the engine room of 
our businesses us as people and I think that's why people want to work with us um and I think it's spending time when we set off understanding who we were and what our values were and what we wanted to achieve and sticking true to that so so it's it's something around strong values and and finding people that match that um, and I can't ever imagine employing somebody who say is the the very best financially in the world they've got such a such a good reputation but if they don't fit that who they are as a person we, we just never consider taking it on because I think it would it would ruin the feeling and genuineness of the business that we have Thank you for joining us and that's all for part one of Beyond the Summit Scalability's podcast featuring Tanya Ellsworth from TP Financial Solutions. Tune in next time for part two.